received uh, a little handout uh, that Chris has got to wave like that, okay, and on the inside of that there's an outline of uh, where we're going in the sermon, so that might be helpful for you to follow along as well. Last week we were looking at the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, uh, it being Easter Sunday, and we saw the resurrection of Jesus guarantees our resurrection. Today we're going to continue that resurrection theme by looking at the account of another resurrection, uh, the resurrection of Lazarus, which is a bit different from the resurrection of Jesus, because Jesus rose again and glorified, never to die again. All right, Lazarus' resurrection is a bit bit more like a resuscitation. Uh, it's not the new body, uh, but his old one again. But it is a uh, it is a pointer forward of uh, uh, the, the resurrection uh, that Jesus accomplishes. As we begin, how about I lead us in prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that is a firm foundation uh, for faith and life. We pray now that as we look at your word together, and we pray that you'll speak to us, and we pray that you'll help us to see Jesus more clearly, the resurrection and the life, and that we may put our trust in him. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Death is the big enemy, isn't it? It's uh, your enemy, it is my enemy. It is something that, that all of us will face. A lot of people in our society fear death. Some people don't even want to use the word death in case it happens as a result of saying it. And some hotels you have level 1, 2, 3, and then 3A. Okay? Why? Because the word fall sounds like the Chinese word for death. But no matter what we do, no matter how we try to avoid the word, we cannot avoid death itself. Happens to everyone in every generation. One day you and I will die. And so this passage that we are reading is clearly relevant to us because it, it deals with the solution to the problem of death and brings us face to face with the one who died to give us eternal life. It starts off by telling us of a man who was sick. His name was Lazarus. He lived in a uh, small town called Bethany that was two miles from Jerusalem, just under two miles from Jerusalem. And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And all three of them were close friends of Jesus. So when Lazarus was sick, his sisters sent a message to Jesus. They were hoping that Jesus would come and heal Lazarus. But Jesus didn't come. He delayed. Interestingly enough, in chapter 11, verse 5, it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, or therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's, that's a bit strange, isn't it? How can that be? In fact, translators of some Bibles have actually said, Yet, when he heard Lazarus was sick. But that's not, it's actually so. Therefore, if he loves Lazarus, why doesn't he just go and heal Lazarus? 
If he loves them, why doesn't he just come straight away? He says he loved, and because he loved, he delayed his action to allow something terrible to happen. And I'm sure they wouldn't have been able to understand why. Friends, sometimes God works in ways that we don't understand at the time. If we were Mary and Martha, we would have thought the best thing for Jesus to do would be to quickly come and heal Lazarus. But he didn't. If we were Mary and Martha, we would have thought the, the best thing for Jesus to do was come as soon as he can. But he didn't. It didn't mean he didn't love them. He did. And it was because he loved them that he didn't heal Lazarus. For he knew that the best thing for them was that he wouldn't. He knew that Lazarus would die, but that his death would not be the end of the story. The final outcome of the illness would not be death. In fact, he says in verse 4, this illness does not lead to death. Death is not the end of it, the goal of it. The goal is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Through what was about to take place, Jesus would bring glory to God. And God would be glorified as his Son was glorified, and he will be glorified by being made known. Because through this incident, Jesus would reveal to Mary and Martha and Lazarus and, and even us a precious truth about himself. A truth that would both save them and bring glory to God. So it is the best for them. But you know, God is so good that the glory of God is always, always the ultimate good. Jesus delayed. And after two days, Lazarus died. Now, Jesus knew that he died. He must have been by some supernatural means, because no one in those days could have SMSed him with a message. And only then did he call his disciples to say, Come, I'm going to go to Judea, where Lazarus was. The disciples advised him not to go. They said, you know, don't lie, why do you want to do that? You know, the Jews in Judea, they want to stone you, and then you want to go there again? But Jesus says in verse 9, <coughs> Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. See, if you walk in the daytime, which is the time for walking, then, then you're safe. What he's saying is, time for him to be killed is not yet. He'll be okay. And then he explained to them that Lazarus had died in verse 11. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Now when Jesus uh, says that Lazarus was asleep, he, he means he's only temporarily dead. Huh? De death is a bit like sleep, isn't it? Except that you don't wake up. But the death of Lazarus wasn't going to be like that. He would wake up. And so Jesus, and Jesus was going to go and wake him. And so Jesus said he was sleeping. But the disciples, they didn't understand this. They thought, it means that Lazarus is resting. They said, oh, Lazarus is sleeping. That, that's good. He'll rest and then he'll get better. So Jesus had to tell them very, very simply, straightforwardly, in verse 14, Lazarus has died. 
And then he adds, And for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And we saw before that the reason Jesus was not there to heal Lazarus was, was to bring glory to God. And now we see a little bit more of what that delay would do. Jesus would bring Lazarus to life again so that the disciples might believe. See, the disciples at this stage, no, they don't really believe. They've got all kinds of things to learn and here's one of them. But what they do know is that Judea is a very dangerous part of the country for Jesus. Jesus didn't even go when his friend was sick and now he's dead. All of a sudden he wants to go. Will the disciples go along with him in spite of the danger? And remember what Jesus says? Let us go to him. Lazarus was dead. He was in the grave. Was Jesus saying they should go and visit his tomb or was he saying they should go and die too? Given the danger of the situation there, maybe the disciples thinking that, that Jesus is calling for martyrdom. So Thomas, one of the disciples, speaks to the others. He, he makes what seems now to be a brave and well-intentioned call that completely misses the point. In verse 16, Let us go also, that we may die with him. The rest of the disciples agree. They don't really understand what Jesus is going to do. Yet they want to follow him. They intend to do so to the point of death. So the decision is made. They're going to go to Judea with Jesus. The next scene is played out two days later. Lazarus has been dead and buried for four days. Buried in a tomb which was a cave with a big stone rolled in front of it. And the family home where Lazarus and the sisters lived was full of people who had come from Jerusalem to comfort them. And Jesus was coming close to the village, but he wasn't there yet. And Martha heard that Jesus was coming and she ran out to meet him. And she says in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Ouch. She doesn't know why Jesus didn't come and heal Lazarus. But she knows that he could have. Is she angry with Jesus? Does she think that he's to blame for her brother's death? Well, she goes on in verse 22. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So she still trusts Jesus, doesn't she? She knows the Father will give him whatever he asks, but what should she ask for now? He's, he's already dead. Jesus says to her in verse 23, Your brother will rise again. But she knows that. I mean, the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament prophesied a general resurrection. We read about that in our Old Testament reading just now. Here's what he says. He said, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting content. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. There's a resurrection there. The Old Testament teaches a resurrection at the end, and so Martha believes in the resurrection. And she thinks that Jesus is reminding her, just, just reminding her of something that, that she already believes. So when he says, your brother will rise, she says, I know, in verse 24. 
I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But little does she realize that the one standing before her is the one who will make that resurrection on the last day possible. So Jesus tells her, in a saying that's a theme for this, this, this talk this evening, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. What does it mean that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Well, the Apostle John has already recorded Jesus' teaching about this back in chapter 5. Uh, it's a passage we'll come back, we'll look at in a moment, and we'll come back to, uh, because it explains a lot of things that are in this passage. I think John assumes when he writes the book that we read chapter 5 before we get to chapter 11. There are lots of things that we can understand from chapter 11 that we would have worked out from chapter 5. But since we just jumped straight into chapter 11, we have to go back to chapter 5 to, to see what it means. In chapter 5, Jesus explains that, that he is the one who is going to fulfill Daniel chapter 12. He is the one who is going to make that resurrection happen. In verse 25 of John 5, he says this. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. <coughs> Jesus is the one <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus is the one who will raise the dead. The resurrection will happen because of him. The point of the resurrection is to give glory to him. We'll hear the voice of the Son of God, Jesus, and live. He's the resurrection. Then in verse 26 of John 5, he says this, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. That Jesus has life in a way that only God has. He's the one who has life in himself. And he can give life. He can take it away. In him is life. And through him comes eternal life. That's what Jesus said in verse 24 of John 5. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So Jesus is the life. He is the, he's the one who gives that eternal life that starts now and follows with the resurrection. That's from him. That's for him. It's his to give. The resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting, they belong to him. And so Jesus says, verse 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he says to Martha, Do you believe this? And Martha answers in verse 27, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Martha believes in Jesus. She believes that one day the dead will hear the voice of Jesus the Son of God, and those who hear will live. And she believes that Jesus will give eternal life to those who believe in him. She believes that Jesus is 
the resurrection and the life. Now, having understood this about Jesus, Martha wants her sister to speak to him as well. She goes back to the house as quickly as she can to speak to her. Gives her a personal message from Jesus. He wants to see her. And so Mary hurries out to meet him, hoping for some private words. But when she goes out, everyone else goes out as well. They follow her. Their intentions are good. They thought, think that she's rushing to the tomb. And they, they want to support her. But, but she's not going to the tomb. She's, she's going to meet Jesus. And when she gets there, she, she falls at his feet. She says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Guess what Mary Martha had been talking about, huh? Was she saying that he should have been there? Was she just wishing that he had? Did she feel that Jesus had let her down? Or was she just affirming his power over sickness? But either way, she just broke down in tears, weeping from her brother. And when Jesus saw her weeping, verse 33 tells us, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Yes, he knew what he was doing. Yes, he knew that waiting for Lazarus to die was indeed the best thing. Yes, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus. But he was not callous about it. His heart went out to the mourners. He was moved in his spirit and deeply troubled. Verse 35 tells us that he wept. Brothers and sisters, God does things in our world that we don't understand. We know that he's working out his plans to glorify his great name by drawing people to himself. We know that he is working all things for the good of those who love him. But there are many things that happen which we find hard to reconcile with his good plans. And sometimes in a sinful, fallen world like this one, it is painful to be part of his purposes. Sometimes in a fallen, sinful world like this one, we suffer grief as we wait for his plans to be fulfilled. There are times when he feels like he isn't there. Or that he's delaying too long to put things right. And we wish he would come and do his thing and change the situation like he could have done with Lazarus. He could have come and healed Lazarus before he died. He could have come and healed my friend before she passed away. He could have prevented that accident. He could have stopped that cancer. He could have hindered that criminal. He could have done all kinds of things he could have done in our lives. To make us happier, which he did not do. Yes, we know he knows what he's doing. And we know that ultimately he is the resurrection and the life. And we know that no matter how bad things are, God will ultimately reverse the situation. And yes, we are confident that he will bring good out of evil and nothing can stop that, not even death itself. Yet in the meantime, as we wait for that day, here on the ground, it's hard. Mary and Martha suffered and grieved. And so do we. 
and Jesus is not callous to our sufferings. He's not hard-hearted because he knows, oh, it's for the best anyway. The fact that there will be a good outcome in the end does not stop him from, from sympathizing with that grieving family here. He's moved in spirit and deeply troubled. He understands our suffering and our pain. And he mourns with us in our grief. And as people saw Jesus weep, they responded in two ways. Some, in verse 36, said, See how he loved him. And others, in verse 37, said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? It's still like that today, isn't it? Some people, when they go through trials and troubles, come to know the love of Jesus. They come to realize that God loves them, even though they don't know what he's doing. While others attack God and cast aspersions on his goodness or his power. Also, in spite of the fact that they don't know what he's doing. The third thing in the story opens in verse 38, with Jesus again deeply moved. He's at the tomb of his friend, a very emotional experience, standing in front of that cave with a big stone in front of it, whole band of mourners with him, and then Jesus issues a shocking command. He says, roll away the stone. What? like going to visit a friend's grave nowadays and telling people to dig up the body. It's, it's unthinkable. You don't do that kind of thing. It's so disrespectful. Even Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to Jesus, Lord, there'll be a bad smell by now. He's been dead for four days. That's a very bad idea, Lord. What Jesus says to her in verse 14, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. And they did what Jesus commanded. They, they took away the stone. And imagine some people shaking their head in disbelief and disapproval, this kind of behavior. And Jesus looked up. And there in front of everyone, he spoke to his heavenly Father. And listen to what he says in verse 41. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. He explains to his father very candidly why he's talking to him like this in public. Well, he wants people to know that what he's about to do is, he's doing as a son of the father. It's the father who sent him. It's the father who's empowered him. It's the father who's about to glorify him. And so after Jesus made this very clear, <coughs> he does the most amazing thing yet calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Verse 44, And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. 
Isn't that absolutely amazing? This man was dead for four days and now he's hobbling out of the grave. And Jesus had brought him back to life from death. Imagine what it would have been like to be one of those people who were there. Jesus had spoken about the day when the dead would hear the voice of the Son of God and, and those who hear would live. And now this has actually happened before their very eyes. They had seen the glory of God. They had seen Jesus doing what only God can do. Give life. And so the identity of Jesus and who he was was revealed to them. They had seen Jesus. They had seen Jesus for who he is. They had seen the glory of God. So how will these people respond? Well, the facts of the matter were indisputable. <coughs> Lazarus was dead. Now he's alive. Jesus had brought a dead man to life. No wonder, no matter, no wonder why, in verse 45, that many of the Jews who had come with Mary and seen what he did believed in him. He was a man who claimed to be the resurrection and the life, who claimed to be the one who would raise the dead on the last day, and who backed up his claims by raising a man from the dead today. The appropriate response to that surely is faith. And yet in spite of that, some people didn't believe. And some people opposed. And so in, in verse 46 we see that some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. They give their report to the religious leadership of the time. And what was their response? Verse 47. The chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? This man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. See, they're worried about people believing in Jesus. They know he's done all this stuff, but they're worried about people believing in Jesus because they want to protect their political and religious interests. Isn't that amazing? So what should they do about Jesus? It's a threat to their stability. One of them, Caiaphas, the high priest, has the answer. Verse 49 and 50. You know nothing at all. It's a good way to start a speech, isn't it? Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. It's better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. Now, Caiaphas met this in a, in a bad way. But what he's trying to say is, it's better for us to kill Jesus, one man, than to face the risk of political destabilization. Because if there's unrest and the Romans will come and attack us, then maybe lots of people will die. So it's better that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. So you can justify what they're about to do. And so the religious establishment starts to plot to kill Jesus. But there is another sense in which the words of Caiaphas were actually right. They were prophetic. Jesus would indeed die for the people, but not in the way that Caiaphas meant it. He would die so that he could be for them not just the resurrection, but the life. 
And not just for them, but for us as well. He would die, verse uh, uh, 52 says, not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Was it people from all over the world would come and be God's children? So the death of Jesus, that, 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 that's us, isn't it? And so this death of Jesus has great implications for us as well. You see, the fact that Jesus is the resurrection is not necessarily good news for everyone. Now, to understand this, let's go back to what Jesus explained earlier in John 5. Because the experience of Lazarus is a, is a paradigm for the experience we will all have. We will come back to life when Jesus returns. John says in John chapter 5, verse uh, 28, 29, uh, Jesus is speaking here. He says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Right? But there will be two outcomes. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So Jesus, the source of resurrection, will bring a division. The resurrection will divide those who have done good and those who have done evil. Now on the one hand that's a good thing, isn't it? Because God will be shown to be completely just. You can't escape God's justice by dying. Hitler could kill himself when Germany won, lost World War II and escaped the war crimes tribunals, but Jesus will raise him up and call him to account. And he will do the same for us. He will judge the world with perfect justice. And whatever the rewards, whatever the punishments are due, he will deliver. The fact that Jesus is the resurrection means that justice happens. But the problem with justice is that all of us have done evil. We've all sinned against God. None of us have treated him properly. We've all rebelled against his rule and deserve to be punishment, punished by him. And so if justice was all there is, we would be raised from the dead just to face condemnation. And all of us are sinful. All of us deserve to be under God's condemnation forever. But friends, the good news is that Jesus is not just the resurrection, he is the life. That is, he is a source of rescue from death. He is a, he is a spring of eternal life. Remember how Caiaphas says that, that, that Jesus should die for the nation? And how the, really, the real thing was that he was going to die for all God's children? Well, he did. As we read on in John's Gospel, we see that the religious leaders got their way. Not too long later, Jesus was put to death. Died on a Roman cross. And as Jesus died on the cross, God took your sin, my sin, and laid it on him. Jesus died to take the sins that we deserve. Take, take our sins and the punishment that we deserve. He died as the Lamb of God, the sacrifice to, to take our punishment on our behalf. He took our place. To face the just wrath of God so that we need never face it. Took our retribution that we deserve so that, that we didn't, needn't pay it. So that if we trust in Him, as our Savior and our King, we can be completely forgiven. So when the time comes for us to be raised, we will not then be punished in hell forever. 
but resurrection on the last day to eternal life with God. To glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. Together with all those who believe in Jesus. Where there is no more tears or mourning or crying or pain. Where true joy is to be found in perfected relationships once again. That's why Jesus could say in chapter 5 verse 24. Truly, truly I say to you. Whoever hears my word. And believes him who sent me. Has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. <coughs> so friends, Jesus is the resurrection. He is the one who will raise us up on the last day. And he has given a foretaste of that by raising Lazarus. And Jesus is the life. Those who believe in him, even though they die now, at the end of time, will live again, just like everyone else. But those who live, who have been raised from the dead, having believed in him, will never die. But have eternal life with him in glory. That's why he says, in verse 25, 26, He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Resurrection. And everyone who lives and believes in me, also in the resurrection who believe in Jesus, will never die. And as Jesus asked Martha, so he asks you, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe that he is the one whom God has appointed the judge of the living and the dead? Do you believe that he and only he can raise you from death on the last day? That he and only he can give you eternal life with God in heaven? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? And if you believe it, will you submit to him as your God? Will you trust him? even though you don't understand what he is doing? And will you rely on him and him alone to raise you from death and give you eternal life with him forever? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus is indeed the resurrection and the life. We thank you that on the last day he will indeed raise the dead. And we thank you that on that day those who have believed in him, trusted in him, who belong to him, will not face your condemnation, but have eternal life with you forever. Thank you that he is the resurrection and the life. Father, we pray that each one of us here will be people who do believe and do trust him, even when we don't understand what he's doing, even when we go through trials and troubles and it looks like he doesn't care, but we know that he does. Help us to keep on hanging on to your love that you have shown us in him. 
Help us to trust him in the darkness. To know that you are doing your, you are fulfilling your, your, your good purposes. Uh, even though it doesn't seem that way. And to know your, your, your comfort uh, in the midst of our troubles. Help us to look forward to that final resurrection and where all the troubles of this life will be over and that eternal life that Jesus gives us with you where death and mourning and crying and pain will be no more. Keep us, we pray, trusting in him to the very end. And we ask this in his name. Amen.